Chapter 16 Oh, greatest of the great, most magnificent of the magnificent, we have taken two of the strange transforming aliens prisoner. They tremble before us. They abase themselves. They quiver in cowardly terror. And it should be noted that the Galaxy Blaster was of no help whatsoever. From the log of the Hammergron ship, Planet Crusher. Grovel before the captain. Marco looked at me. How do you grovel? I've never groveled before. I shrugged. Grovel! We don't know how, I told the closest Helmicron. I mean, you know, different folks, different customs. Maybe you could show us. They looked at one another. Then, the one I'd spoken to said, You may grovel in the style of your own people. Grovel as you normally grovel. I saw the sly gleam in Marco's eye. You heard the man, Cassie. Let's grovel. He scooted his legs forward, laid on his back, stuck his hands behind his head, and relaxed like he was at the beach soaking up sun. I grovel before the mighty Helmicron captain, most mighty of the mighty, undisputed champion of the world in the dust weight category. We grovel like the pitiful losers we are. We grovel like a guy who hasn't got a date the day before the prom, and the only girl around is the head cheerleader. That's how much we grovel. Cassie, you could join in any time, you know. We grovel... Um... Like... Grovelers. Marco turned his head to shoot me a disdainful look. Oh, good groveling. Put some feeling into it. I grovel like... Uh... Like a person who is... Really, really groveling, I said lamely. Meanwhile, Marco was, of course, getting into it. After all... He had an audience. Oh, mighty Helmicron dead guy. We grovel like a video game addict trapped in the arcade without a quarter. That's how much we grovel. You would not believe the depths of our grovelry. We grovel like a guy with a large order of fries and the only salt shaker is at the table of the school bully. We grovel enough! Now you will tell us the location of the power source. The blue box? I inquired. Yes, the blue box of transforming power. I don't know where it is. One of my friends must have taken it and hidden it. Friends? Yes, the others like us. The others we were with. Turn on the external viewer! 
Suddenly, the entire dome ceiling lit up with a three-dimensional view of the inside of the barn. I saw Jake, Rachel, and Axe, all alive, all back in their own forms. They were glaring angrily at the ship we were in. The view screen zoomed in to magnify a very tiny Tobias sitting perched on Rachel's shoulder. Which one of them knows the location of the blue box? I was incredibly relieved that they were all apparently okay. I hoped Tobias was okay too, although he was obviously still small size. There was no way we were going to put one of them on the spot. Which one? The Helmicron screamed. The one with four eyes? The one with wings? The one with hideous blue eyes? Or the larger one? None of them, Marco said. The other one, the one who's not here. I nodded solemnly. Yes, the other one. We had no idea what we were talking about, of course. But then, the Helmicrons actually sort of supplied the answer. Do not attempt to deceive us. Our sensors reveal those who radiate with the transforming energy. We will find anyone who bears that energy signature. Marco and I stole a glance at each other. Transforming energy? You mean you can tell who has the morphing power? Marco asked. We are the Helmocrons, Lord of the Galaxy. Our science and technology are vastly superior. We can easily penetrate your simple disguises and see the transforming power at work. They can tell people who are able to morph, I said to Marco. I had to resist the urge to giggle. But for once, Marco had not figured out what I had just figured out. Oh, mighty masters, I said. We were fools to imagine we could deceive you. There is only one other like us on the planet. Only one other who possesses the transforming power. It is he who has the blue box of transforming power. It is he whom you must find. It is he whom you must defeat. We will crush him beneath us like the lowliest of creatures. He will grovel before us for an eternity of days. Marco still looked puzzled. There's no point trying to hide him from the Helmicrons, Marco, I said. There is only one other morph-capable creature on Earth, and the Helmicrons are just going to have to destroy him. Suddenly, the light went on in Marco's head. Visser 3? I nodded, feeling very pleased with myself. Visser 3 Chapter 17 we're going to lead them to Visser 3? Marco asked me in a voiceless whisper. You have a better idea? No. He shook his head admiringly. It's just so... sneaky. I didn't know you had it in you. Visser 3, leader of the Yurk invasion of Earth, is the only Andalite controller in the galaxy. The only Yurk to ever acquire the morphing power. Just one problem. Where do we find Visser 3? Marco considered. Chances are, he's on board his blade ship. Or on the pool ship. Or down in the yurt pool, 
Or, do you think these guys could find the blade ship? Marco shrugged. Bigger question. What do these little guys do when they find Visser 3? Sting him with their tiny little Dracon beams? You will lead us to this person who has the transforming power! One of the Helmicrons yelled. He's on a spacecraft. In orbit. I said. Lies! Are we fools? Or are we the very epitome of Helmicron courage and wisdom? The Helmicron demanded. We know that your pitiful species is not capable of real spaceflight. True, Marco said smoothly. The person you're looking for isn't a human. See, you guys aren't the only aliens trying to conquer Earth. There are these guys called Yurks. This news caused a total sensation. There had been a half dozen Helmicrons in the room around their dead captain. Now, many more came rushing in all jabbering wildly in thought-speak. Some were hauling what seemed to be computer consoles of some sort. Others dragged in oversized weapons. There was a lot of yelling, but one thought-speak word I heard again and again was, YURK! They know the Yurks, I said. Oh, yeah. They know them, all right. The yelling and gabbling and wild gesticulating went on at a furious pace for quite a while. Suddenly, without warning, there were steel blades flashing. Where the blades had come from, I couldn't say. It was a sudden, violent onslaught, but not against us. There were four or five Helmicrons surrounded by the others. Die, fools! The mob cried. The swords flashed, and the little gaggle of Helmicrons disappeared from our view, hidden by a wall of screaming, enraged Helmicrons. Calm descended as suddenly as the violence had begun. Through gaps in the crowd, I could see Helmicrons lying dead, pierced by swords. It was a shocking thing to experience, but the Helmicrons didn't seem very upset. Maybe we'd better get out of here, Marco muttered. These guys really are insane. I don't think they mean to hurt us. Not yet. One of the Helmicrons turned to face us. Where is this yurk with the power source? Tell us, lowly one, or be crushed beneath our feet. The yurks have a pool ship and a blade ship in orbit, Marco said. The blade ship is the place to start, but it's shielded, you know, invisible to radar and sensors and all. Fool! We are the Helmicrons! Primitive yurk technology means nothing to us! Of course, I said soothingly. But you know what? Now that you know the yurks are here, you probably want to focus on them, not us. So you could just let us go. We will drive the yurk usurpers before us! We will grind their flesh! They will wail in terror. The humans are ours to enslave. We are the mighty Helmicrons, rulers of the galaxy. Fine by us, Marco said. The Helmicron shouted a command in shockingly loud thought speak. Mail! Mail here!
a hatch in the floor opened, and up through the floor poked a trembling head. It was like the other Helmicrons, but smaller. The flat head had a forward slant. The mouthparts were less horrifying. Still insect-looking, but smaller, gentler. The entire bearing of this creature was humbler. Male, take these aliens. Instruct them in the ways of obedience. The Helmicron shoved us toward the hatch. Male? Marco wondered. Did he... I mean, was that... Is this... I think so, I said. The loud hyper ones are females. This one is male. Oh, man. Now I'm really scared. It's an entire species of Rachels. Chapter 18 I am your teacher in the ways of submission. We had been taken to a small room. Well, of course, everything was small. The room was probably about the size of an aspirin. But, I mean, it seemed small to us. There were no chairs or other furniture. I guess the Helmicrons didn't mind standing. And neither did we, actually. I still felt weirdly strong because of my size. What's your name? I asked the male Helmicron. Name? Never mind. Marco said, How about if we call you Wuss? Listen up, Wuss. That's not very nice, Marco, I interrupted. He doesn't have a name, and let's face it, he's a wuss. So, wuss, tell me, what's the deal with the captain? He's dead. She, yes, of course she is dead. And why do you want your captain to be dead? How else can you be sure she will not make a mistake? That seemed to stymie Marco, but the patient male who even I was now thinking of as wuss, went on to explain, Those who make errors must be eliminated. It is inevitable that a captain, who would make many decisions if she were alive, would therefore also make many errors. What is the point of a captain who must be killed for error? In this way, we have a captain who may be respected and revered by all. Marco looked at me helplessly. What's sad is that it makes a certain bizarre kind of sense. He turned back to Wuss. How about your other leaders? All dead? Yes. A homogrown female may not ascend to a position of importance in our society unless it is certain that she will not cause problems. She must be a symbol that all can admire. Kind of like our society, I muttered. Well, Wuss... Aren't you supposed to tell us how to behave? Yes. You must obey all females. You must wash your food before eating it. As males, you must be quiet and calm at all times. I'm not male, I said. I'm female. No, you are a slave. Thus, you are male and must do whatever a female tells you to do. Kind of like our society. Marco said, mimicking me. Is that it? That's all the rules? Yes. If you fail to obey the rules, you may be killed. In fact, you may even be made captain. You will stay in this room until summoned, 
Wuss said calmly. I will leave you now. A door opened. The Hemocron male left, and the door closed behind him. Marco and I looked at each other. These people are nuts, and this is a nut house, and we need to bail. I don't want to be captain. No, no promotions, please. But we need to think. These guys are going after Visser 3, which means they'll leave Jake and Rachel and X and Tobias alone. All that's good. On the other hand, it seems to me like they need the blue box to create their shrinking ray. So maybe they need it to unshrink us, I reasoned. If they can unshrink us, maybe it's a one-way thing. Did you ever think of that? I don't want to think of that, I said. I have a family I have to get back to. A life. Marco nodded, obviously deep in thought. If we were small like this permanently, we could grow old, have kids, and populate the world with a new race of tiny people. Marco, would you mind helping? Think of what we should do. Okay. He squared his shoulders. Okay. He blew out a loud sigh. What should we do? I don't know. Here's one thing I know. These guys are nuts. They hacked those guys down. They put dead guys in charge. They are nuts. Pure and simple. Looney Tunes. Whack jobs. Freakazoids. They could go off on us for no reason at all. So priority number one is to not help them get Visser 3. Priority one is, let's get out of here. I have to agree. First chance we get. But right now, we're probably in space on our way to find the blade ship. So there isn't exactly anywhere to go. The door opened quite suddenly. It was a swaggering female. Come with me, insignificant aliens. Obey me. Yes, ma'am, Marco said. We were led back to what had to be the ship's actual bridge. There was no captain, dead or alive. The Helmocrons seemed to do their jobs without being told. Although, obviously, there were occasional disagreements, as we had seen. Screen on! Our Helmocron guide snapped. A video display showed a flat, two-dimensional image of Visser 3's blade ship. Wow! Marco said, genuinely impressed. You guys are fast. I mean, you ladies. You found the blade ship. We are the Helmocrons! Your pretenders and usurpers will beg for their lives as we march over their groveling, prostrate forms. I formed a mental image of a yurk I'd seen in its natural form, and then of an army of tiny little Helmocrons marching over it. It would look roughly like ants on a dog doo-doo. I barely stifled a giggle. We have found the weak and pathetic blade ship, but a smaller yurk craft has detached and is heading toward the planet's surface. Our sensors show a person aboard that smaller vessel, a person who carries the distinctive sensor signature of the transforming energy. Visser 3, I said. He's heading down to the planet. Probably heading down to take the blue box. I mean, the power source. The Helmorcon ship was obviously in hot pursuit. We could see a bugfighter dropping down through the blue atmosphere. Our own familiar coastline was recognizable below us. 
The sun was going down. The line of darkness was marching across the earth, getting nearer to my own home. It suddenly hit me just how far away I was from the life I knew. Not just in miles, but in feet and inches, too. My parents were gigantic, skyscraper-tall behemoths. Marco and I, and maybe Tobias, were alone in the universe. Tell us of the place the Yurk Bogfighter is landing. I peered at the screen. Can you make it bigger? I mean, you know, magnify it? The screen jerked as the picture refocused closer in. Hey, look, I said. Very interesting. I could see a stretch of the boulevard that ran by our school. It was one of those commercial strips with tons of fast food restaurants and muffler shops and banks and blockbusters. An empty, abandoned restaurant. I think it used to be a Denny's or something. Stood by itself, surrounded by a weed-grown parking lot. The bug ship, invisible to humans thanks to its shielding, was settling down toward the empty restaurant. As we watched, the roof of the restaurant split and opened, drawing back like a pair of sliding doors. The bugfighter containing Visser 3 slowly, carefully, landed in the interior of the building. The roof closed behind it, and at that moment, a long, black limousine came tearing into the parking lot. Very clever, Marco said admiringly. It's an empty building, I told the Helmicron. The Visser will morph to human form and leave in that black vehicle. Then we will crush him there. We will annihilate him. We will humble his pride till he weeps and begs for an honorable death. Uh-huh, Marco said dryly. We've tried that before. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, thank you for listening another week uh, as we continue down this slightly uh, zany Helmicron shrinking adventure. I have an email here sent into our email, audiomorphscast at gmail.com, if you would like to send an email as well, from uh, the Ballad of the Seven Dice, which I believe is a tabletop role-playing game podcast. Um, I believe they also follow me on Twitter. I, I recognize that, that title. Um, but their producer, Lucas, is, uh, I guess, technically the one who emailed me. Um, and he uh, he wrote in saying... Hey Daniel, been listening to Audiomorphs for almost a year now, and just want to say thanks for creating such a rad project and sticking with it. Your voice acting and editing have improved so much, and every Friday I look forward to walking my dog and listening to what will happen next in this body horror-fueled tale. Being an editor myself, I have worked with a few, uh, DAWs, D-A-Ws, I actually don't know what that stands for, <laughs> and Audacity has some cool effects you can mess with and make cool voices. I attached a few links below that you might find helpful. Also, if you're interested, I can send you a video tutorial I made to teach you how to use Reaper, which is another audio editor, uh, that is a lot better than Audacity and will save you a ton of time. Not sponsored, just love them. It would be crazy if they were sponsored. <laughs> huh? If you were just in my emails uh, typing out sponsored messages from other uh, products, I guess? Um... That, that would be a crazy ad campaign. <laughs> um, anyway, um, it has shaved hours off my work. 
Lastly, I have an Animorphs question for you and the Phantomorphs. If morphing tech allows you to morph into someone else, then theoretically you could acquire a morph of the young person of your species, and then be a Nothlet, which means you could then double your, double your lifespan. But what is stopping someone from just repeating this cycle and just reacquiring the morphing tech since your body would be a compatible species with it? Did the Andalites just inadvertently discover a means of immortality? Um, and then they post the links, which were three video links for uh, Dragoon from StarCraft, Protoss Re Reverb voice, and Robot slash AI voice. Um, and then also a link to, uh, looks like Chartable, is that what it is? Chartable, which aggregates reviews from uh, different countries for iTunes. Uh, then signs off, keep up the good work, Lucas. Uh, the producer slash GM of Ballad of the Seven Dice slash Rise of Nyarlathotep, which sounds like it's probably um, a Lovecraftian or Eldritch Horror, just based off that sort of collection of letters. Oh, there's an ice cream truck outside. How fun. Um, thank you so much for writing in, Lucas. Uh, let's, let's work in reverse order. So first of all, uh, your question... Uh, what would happen if you acquired a young person of your species, became a Nothlet, and then um, regained regain the morphing power? The answer is that while it's never explicitly stated within the series, um, just sort of it is implied that uh, something about being a Nothlet prevents you from uh, reacquiring the morphing power. Um, otherwise, you know, Tobias wouldn't be a hawk the whole, whole series, you know? Um, so that's the answer, uh, effectively, is that uh, however this technology works, somehow being a Nothlet then prevents you from uh, reinstalling that technology on your body. Um, but you could become a Nothlet of a young person and uh, effectively double your lifespan if you wanted. Actually, um, something I, I am a little curious about vis-a-vis -vis morphing that doesn't really get explored because of the short time span of the series, but like... So when you demorph it heals your body, right? But technically, aging is just your DNA degrading over time, right? Um, theoretically, when they uh, demorph, are, th are they not demorphing to the exact state they were in when they first obtained the uh, morphing technology and kind of encoded their DNA there? You know? That's something I think about sometimes. How does that work? Or I guess, hmm, maybe it's like when you begin a morph, the body does kind of like a quick save state on how you are. Although, no, because if you were injured and you morphed and then you demorphed, it would heal you. So I actually don't know. I just don't know. But it seems like uh, if it heals you, then it would also prevent you from aging. That's just my thought. So maybe they don't even need this uh, two-step plan. Maybe it's just a one-step plan. I don't know. Other people, write in with your thoughts. If you'd like to write in, you can do that. Uh, through the aforementioned Gmail, audiomorphscast.gmail.com. You can do that on Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. You can do that uh, through my website. That's theapodcalypse.com. That's theapodcalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. And of course, you can reach me also on Twitter. That's at audiomorphs. And that's where I will post if this episode's ever late. Uh, I will be posting updates there for why. Um, now to jump back to this email uh, and talk about the uh, second part, which was the voice tutorials you sent me. I, I'm just tickled silly that uh, two of the three you sent me uh, involve Protoss units because, um, and there is no way you could have known this, but StarCraft Brood Wars 
without a doubt, my most played game of my childhood. And of StarCraft Brood War, I was a Protoss main. <laughs> so, um, very uh, reminiscent for me to see the Dragoon and the Archon here in these thumbnails. Um, thank you for those tutorials. I think I've actually maybe even looked up that robotic uh, one before. Because, um, hey guys, spoilers, if you're ever learning a program and uh, you want to try to do an effect... Just Google that effect. Someone probably made a YouTube tutorial about it. 12-year-olds with bad mics making YouTube tutorials hold up this nation. They are the backbone of this nation, and I love them dearly. <laughs> um, lastly, and I guess I will apply the email uh, as well to let you know this, but yes, please do send me that uh, tutorial on Reaper. I don't know if I'll make the switch. I'll see how the tutorial hits me. I have noticed um, as I get older, it is harder for me to learn new things. Shocking, I know. That's been written about. Um, but it's different when it's actually literally happening to you. Because I remember being like 14 and teaching myself how to use Adobe Photoshop um, from the ground up. I knew nothing about that program. And I just took some time and learned how to use it really good. Um, and I just, I can't do that anymore. I sit down with a new program I'm like, what is this? There's too much. I don't want to. Anyway, thank you for writing in, Lucas. Um, if, if you want to be like Lucas and write, and I have already said all those pieces. Uh, you can also, I guess, leave me a rating review on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts. Sorry, I almost said Apple iTunes, but it's Apple Podcasts now, and I will read them. I guess unless uh, you're, you are international, uh, in which case I may have not seen your review before. Uh, actually, I am seeing one here. I now clicked on the chartable link um, from, oh, from Ballad of the Seven Dice in Canada. <laughs> so uh, I guess that's how they knew I wasn't seeing uh, international reviews. So uh, Ballad of the Seven Dice uh, did write a review titled Morphing Back Through My Childhood. It's been an absolute blast going through these books again. I was obsessed with these as a kid. And it is so good to hear them once more. Love the voices and the effects done. Keep up the great work. And I can't wait to hear more of these good alien books. Uh, thank you so much for writing in Ballad of Seven Dice. And I am so sorry I did not see that sooner. Uh, if you are also from Canada or another uh, non-United States country. And you've left a review and I haven't read it. Write in. Let me know. I will find it on Chartable and read it, I guess. Uh, that is all I got for y'all this week. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>